you beautiful Habs fans. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend, and let's just jump into it. What the fuck? <laughs> That's my <laughs> Philip DeFranco impression. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Um, we should we'll workshop that. Complete Kelly, complete plagiarism, but just like last time, just fun stuff. <laughs> How you doing? That's bad. Yeah? yeah, I'm doing great. Do you want to know why? Why? Because we got a guest. We have a guest. We got a guest. Hello. Guest? James. That sounds Hi. like James. That does sound like James. Hi, James. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Yeah, welcome to Podcast 1909. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the forefront. So, James, James Hamilton, if you don't know, does all of our graphic design. He is a part of the podcast team. We thought for our first guest, there's no hockey on. There's nothing to do. Let's have James on the podcast. Pick it up a little bit. We have the whole team here now. Yeah. So to put a, to put a voice to the graphics. James, James. Hamilton, everyone. <laughs> James, real quick, just um, introduce yourself to everybody who may not know you. Uh, where are you from? How'd you become a Habs fan? Who's your favorite player? Whatever. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so, hi, I'm James Hamilton. Yeah, I've been doing the graphic design right from the start for Podcast 1909. Um, boy, been a Habs fan all my life. Didn't really have much of a choice on that. Dad was a Habs fan, so that was pretty <laughs> much, uh, that's how that's how I got here. Uh, ooh, favorite player? Favorite player on the team right now, I'm going to spare Kotkaniemi. Uh, ooh, favorite player? Favorite, favorite player I've ever seen play, like, my favorite player, uh, Thomas Mechanic. Love the guy. Oh, good. Awesome That's player. a solid, solid choice. Uh, yeah. 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 Been a half-cent all my life. That's not going to change. Good. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more enthusiasm, but <laughs> it's a, good. It sounds a bit like you're stuck here, really. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Perfect. And uh, how did you get into graphic design? Well, uh, was always like good at art, and mm-hmm. I didn't know there were careers that you could uh, you could have related to art that weren't uh, starving artists. So, <laughs> uh, the graphic graphic design was on uh, recommendation of my mom. Actually, she was like, "Hey, by the way, there's this thing," and I uh, went to an open house and saw what it was about, and yeah, there we go. Ever since, so been doing this now for. It's about three years. Oh, well, you're really good at it. <laughs> we can attest to that. <laughs> Anyone who's seen our stuff can attest. I can like when uh when we first launched it and I was sharing it with people, like the the biggest compliment that I get a second like you have a podcast is whoa, I love the the logo. You know, and then I'd always be like, Oh thanks, my friend James made it for us, right? So, you know. He's been with us from the very beginning, even before we, uh, even before we recorded our first episode, we recruited James, uh, and we had to like force money on him because <laughs> he wouldn't accept being paid for his work. I was just so happy to be part of it, guys. Yeah, yeah no, James but was you... literally the only person that we thought of. We were yeah. like, ah, oh, shit, we're gonna need a logo. We're gonna need like a whole bunch of graphic design done. Nah, nah, nah. James! 
<laughs> we sent him a message that day. We were like, hey. I think it was that it was after funny. it was after a game and it was after a loss. I remember that specifically. And we were like, James, do you want to do this for us? And he was like, Yes. <laughs> uh, that was a good pick me up from the loss. Yeah. 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 So James was the uh the only other person that we wanted. Um, on the team right from the get-go we weren't going to be doing it without James so now he's here we're so happy to have him on our team and the good news (laughs) is James is just as chaotic as we are yeah (laughs) so expect it to just be even more chaotic than usual (laughs) and speaking of chaos speaking of chaos let's get into our chaos of the week shall we yeah okay so I guess I'll start off Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, I've got two, but they're two very short stories. Um, first of all, one of them, I had to get a COVID test, uh, not because of like a scare or anything, but because one day I was at work and I wasn't feeling well. So then I asked to go home and then with the policy is like, if you go home, and you don't feel well, you have to get a COVID test before you come back. So I went home. And by the and I had to go through that whole ordeal of scheduling a test. And then it was like I scheduled it at 11 a.m. the next day because I just wanted to get it over with. And by the time I went, well, actually, no, by that day, by the time I got home, uh, like a few hours later, I was feeling better. And then by the time I went, I wasn't feeling anything at all. So I did that whole nonsense. And like I was... <laughs> I was sitting there waiting to get it done and I could overhear someone else getting a test done saying like, yeah, there was like an outbreak at my office and now we always get tested. And I'm like, great. I don't want to be here. <laughs> this makes me feel so like not safe. I felt better than before I got here. Right. So then I did the test and that was, it was so uncomfortable. Like I, it was like in my brain. I did not like it at all. Like my eyes were tearing and I was like coughing for some reason. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. I hated it. I hated it so much, but came back negative. So that's great. So then I went to work and work was fine. But then I was coming back home from work. I got on the bus, sat down. And then as we got to the next stop, someone tapped on my shoulder, which first of all, don't touch me. Right. Even without a pandemic, don't touch me. You know what I mean? Um, and so I like turn around and this guy leans in and he's like, Hey, can I get your number? Ew. Yeah. And I was like, uh, <clears throat> no men. Yeah. I literally was like, no. And he's like, okay, have a good day. And then he got up, got up and walked off to the bus. I mean, at least he wasn't like violent. I know, but it's like, don't do that. Yeah. It's still weird. It's so weird, and it made me really uncomfortable, obviously. And it's like, how do you... First of all, we're both wearing masks, <laughs> you know? It's Second the hair, all, man. It's the hair. My hair was in a ponytail. No, nope, it doesn't it had, matter. It had rained that day, so, like, my hair... It rained on my hair in a ponytail, so my ponytail was, like, really thin, and, like, the top of my hair was really gross, and I just finished work, right? It still and has also, properties, though. Also, don't touch me. Yeah, don't be touching people. This is the second time this has happened on a bus to me. Like years ago, 
anyone on a bus, let alone like ask for a number. Like, I, yeah, I know it's so uncomfortable. Like years ago, uh, I was I was on the bus going to work, and this guy like leaned over and put his hand on my knee, and I was like, "Hey, are you going to work? Or are you coming back from work?" And I was like, "I'm going to work." And he's like, oh, "Okay." And then he got off at the stop that was coming up, and I'm like, "Don't touch me! <laughs> Please don't touch! Don't talk to me, first of all. But if you gotta talk to me, don't touch me." Anyway, so PSA, like, don't don't do that on buses, please. Thanks. Yeah, don't pick people uh, up on public transportation. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it so much. Anyway, that's that's what I that's so those are like my two days. <laughs> oh, that's an unpleasant two days. Yeah, it's not great to be honest. God. Well, James, I know your stories from um a little while ago. Let's call it a let's call it a retro chaos story. Yeah, let's call it a throwback. Okay, throwback chaos story. Yeah. Do you want so me to go for it? Let's hear I'll it. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. All right. So uh, mine is from 2019. Uh, so a little bit of backstory here. Uh, I used to be a timekeeper, and so I had stopped timekeeping in like early 2018 so I was off for a little bit and they were low on timekeepers for a tournament in 2019 so I got an email from my old boss and he asked me to come back and do a handful of games so I did and one of the games I did was the craziest game I have ever time kept for uh so it was a midget game between the Brantford 99ers and the uh, Western Mustang purple team. Uh, yeah, they just kind of, so. It's a weird name. <laughs> yeah, you may, M, for, for people can't sleep. M made a face to explain real quick. Uh, so Western is the university here in London. Uh, and they started a hockey program uh, back in like 2015. So they have, they'll have two competitive teams now in London. So there's, uh, Western white and then Western purple. Mm. Easiest way to explain it. They just have two competitive teams. So the Western purple team was playing the Brantford 99ers. Uh, in midget hockey, uh, tri- so triple A midget hockey, you get two periods, then a flood, then the third period. So it's usually about an hour and a half. These teams in an hour of hockey had 90 penalty minutes between them. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> this is this is midget hockey. This is like 15 and 16 year olds, I think. It so uh they got all yeah. that like hormone rage that they have to let out. <laughs> They're just pissed off at life. Yeah. They take it out <laughs> on the other team. It oh that's exactly correct. Uh, I had one there was one point in this game. Um, so like it started with like a bit of a fight. So like somebody, somebody went hard into the net. Uh, somebody gets up, somebody punches somebody big old scrum uh, NHL style proper. Uh, and so I end up with a couple of guys in the box, one from each team. They're yelling at each other the whole time. I'm just sitting in between like just, trying to do trying to time people this game <laughs> yeah. while they're yelling at each other so great times uh like the penalties aren't even over yet uh and 
then there's like a tripping call for one of the teams. I don't remember who. So we get another guy in the box. Basically, we end up at one point, there were three guys in both boxes. Um, so that's a whole bunch of chaos going on in between. All from like separate penalties? Yeah, all from separate penalties. Like there was like tripping penalties, slashing penalties, like somebody got an elbowing penalty. Somebody had a four minute head contact penalty. Oh my God. Um, you know, all that's going on. Uh, and then shit hit the fan. Uh there was an incident down, uh, <laughs> I want to say it was Brantford's end of the ice. And one of the players uh, pulled somebody's face mask. Oh. And that ended up in another fight, which then resulted in the goalie getting in a fight. <laughs> um, and that was that was going on. And then somebody hopped off the Brantford bench to get onto the ice. That's a big old no-no, even in the NHL. And this is midget hockey. So that guy, like, I, I don't entirely remember what the game sheet said for him at the end of the game, but he might not have played hockey again after that. Like he might not (laughs) have played organized hockey. Like that's the sort of thing that they'll be like, Oh yeah, you are suspended indefinitely for that. Um, but yeah, I remember. Uh, so okay, on the little uh, score clock for timekeepers, you get a you get a button for a horn, so you can like you can buzz the horn whenever you want. Uh, there was a couple of times after that whole scrum because there were so many penalties called. So it's like I'm the only one in the box, so I have to write it down on the physical game sheet and put the penalties up on the clock. Yeah. So. I had to I had to buzz the horn two or three times to get the refs to come back over so that we could look over the penalties and make sure that everything was right. Because oh I I think that play resulted in like forty minutes of penalties or something like that. Bunch of game misconducts. Both the benches were like empty. Like this like the second goalie was in the net because the goalie got kicked off the ice. It was yeah it was mental. And then to top it all off at the end of the game. Uh, I, the, the score was a bit of a blowout. Like it was like, it was three, nothing. Uh, and the losing goalie, uh, he, at the end of the game, picks up the puck and drop kicks it, which hilariously in the, uh, rules of this organization, I actually, hang on. I printed off a sheet so I could tell you exactly what, uh, what the penalty is. So it's it's a GM fifty seven goaltender drop kick puck. So you get it's a major penalty and a game misconduct and a one game suspension <laughs> for drop kicking the puck. So right at the end of this game, like you know, sitting at around eighty penalty minutes, this goalie is like, I'm gonna add another ten. So that's my chaos story. That's a retro chaos story for you. That is absolutely that. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, and so, yeah, like, I hadn't time kept in, like, a year. And the games beforehand, I have the schedule right here. I can tell you. So I started timekeeping that day at 4 o'clock. This game was at 8. So I had done a minor Adam game. Those kids are, like, 8 eight years old, I think. Minor Bantam, where the kids are, like, I think, like, 13. And then skipped right ahead to, like, grade 12s. Like throwing yeah. throwing punches at each other. That's 
like that's also that's so old time hockey too. <laughs> Just like pulling pulling masks and drop kicking the puck. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was tournament hockey too. Like this wasn't like this wasn't oh a league God. game. This was a tournament, and they did this. That's so yeah. funny. That's yeah. so chaotic though. <laughs> and then like, you stopped timekeeping after that, didn't you? What sorry? Did you stop timekeeping after that? Yeah, well, so I, I had I had stopped timekeeping back in 2018, and this was literally just they called me back and they're like, hey, uh, you know, can you do a couple more games? Sorry, so I did that, and then I think I had like three games the next day, and I have not been back in a timekeeper's box since. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I also wouldn't have. I'd have been like, <laughs> I'm retired. It was really funny too, because like. Uh, so when when you first when I started timekeeping, I was like 13, and so when you used to get midget games, uh, if you were younger, they'd schedule you with somebody else because they kind of know that midget games can go off the rails. Yeah. Um. So I, I kind of got used to it. Like I was alone in the box or like a lot of midget games in my last couple of years. Uh. But then like you know hadn't hadn't done it in years, hadn't time kept it at this arena and even longer than that. And yeah thrown right back in there with that game yeah that's so funny i can't even imagine uh d yeah i feel like you have something to say here is this gonna be that one so i don't have a chaos story i have more of a um i am very pissed off about something and I have something to say so yesterday while I was at work I work at a skate shop we sell skateboards and snowboards and skate apparel and snowboard apparel and shit that belongs not to Nazis the subculture that my store really like caters to is tends to be Nazi free except for yesterday when as a man was walking by the store he shouted very loudly at us do y'all have longboards obviously not really seeing the guy everybody's kind of busy we shout back yeah we do he comes in and I am immediately face to face with a swastika in my face, swastika. He walks further into the store and starts shouting at everybody in the store, I love y'all's masks. And as I'm walking, as I'm turning around to walk away to get myself out of a very dangerous situation for me, you may not know this, everybody, I'm Jewish. I don't look Jewish. Um, I look Scandinavian because of um, my the, the Viking blood in my family is from Orkney. It was settled by Vikings, so I've got the Viking blood. Um, so I look Scandinavian. I don't look how people stereotype Jews to look, even though I am Ashkenazi Jewish. As I'm walking away to remove myself from a very dangerous situation... Um, and I'm like, you know, turning back to check and make sure like, where's this guy? So I can like point him out to my store manager. He's yelling, 
Heil Maskler in the middle of my store doing that salute over and over again, multiple times while harassing everybody in the store. So I tell my manager, hey, I'm going to the back for a minute. You know, kind of nonchalantly, because there's a lot of things that we can do in the back so that I can remove myself from the situation. He left because nobody was giving him the attention that he was like looking for or trying to elicit. But later when security came by, because security comes by to like check in on everything, say, hey, how's it going? Anything crazy, you know, whatever. We ask him about this guy, the head of security. We asked him about this guy and he said, yeah, he'd been called like on him in other stores and stuff. He left the mall, but came back into the mall and went into the Vans store. And when they asked him, he was the, the, the Nazi, the literal, actual swastika wearing Sieg Heil salute doing Nazi said, nah, I'm Jewish too. Look at my nose. The way I had to explain to the head of security that that was anti-Semitic, the way I had to explain to him that everything about this man, what he's saying, the way he's trying to justify this is actually a, an attack on people like me was um, upsetting to say the least and terrifying just on a, on a personal fundamental level. I was very afraid for my safety. So PSA, anti-Semitism exists. I literally came face to face with it yesterday. People like to tell me that it is not a real thing, that you don't actually have to deal with that. Nazis aren't real. Hello. Hi. I put myself closer to the safest exit for me yesterday in case I had to leave the store in case anything escalated. When your Jewish friends, when people you care about who are Jewish tell you that this is something that we are afraid of, they are not afraid to show their whole ass face. This man wasn't wearing a mask. He showed everybody his face and came in and launched into very anti-Semitic attacks, very anti-mask attacks on things. And that is not okay. I know that I'm usually more of a very silly person, but um, I, I had to say something about this because there might be people listening who are like, I don't know, you kind of see things overblown over or out of proportion in the media. It can't really be like that. That can't really be something that's happening. It happened to me yesterday. I very luckily do not look like what people stereotype Jews to look like. But if I had, if I did, if I was still wearing my Star of David around my neck every day, which I stopped doing when literal Nazis attacked the capital of my country, I have no idea how that would have turned out for me. If it was around Hanukkah time, when I was wearing my, my Hanukkah like sweaters and shirts and stuff to work, because it's my, it's my holiday season too. I have no idea how that would have turned out for me. On the eve of Passover, Pesach, a holiday where we celebrate the fact that, hey, Jews still have not been eradicated from this earth. Literal Nazi. 
So this is a call for everybody. If you see something to say something to do better than was done for me yesterday. I spent yesterday like trying to educate like people I work with on, Hey, this is, you know, bad. This is, um, you know, how do we deal with the situation? What's acceptable? What's not. And luckily they're very supportive. They understand me like that. I'm Jewish, the things that go into me being Jewish, but the way that they've never had to deal with something like that. If you see something, you say something, and it's never a bad idea to punch a Nazi in the face, especially when you are not the one who is trying to remove yourself from the situation out of fear for your own safety. And that is all I have to say about that. I believe your Jewish friends when they say the threat is still alive and the danger is still real. Yeah. Also to any Canadian friends listening, just remember it's like it's it's not just the states where they have Nazis. Like we we really have a lot of that here too. So just Yeah. Shabbat shalom. Chag Pesach Sameach and let's do that hockey. All right. Hockey. Hockey. Jay. (laughs) You know what time it is? I do. What time is it? Time for a general hockey update. No, it's time for Arizona Watch, motherfucker. In the Scotia North Division, it is Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal somehow hasn't played a game in a week and still is in a playoff spot. The luckiest cursed team ever. (laughs) Thank the forum ghosts, people. Yeah. (laughs) In the Mass Mutual East Division, it is Washington, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Boston. Boston. In the Discover Central Division, it is Tampa Bay, Carolina, Florida, Chicago. And in the Honda West Division, Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. No! (laughs) Arizona is in fifth. Oh, they're catching up. Love a catch-up this time of year. We love a catch-up. (laughs) <laughs> they're coming back they are We're watching two points behind st louis oh i believe th- i believe they can do it they can two do it. points behind st louis they can do it they're coming back they're coming back comeback season arizona comeback let's season. go <laughs> it's very important to us speaking of comebacks guess who's not coming back tim peel tim peel he's gone he's gone, he's gone forever Bye, Tim. Yeah. So, um, this week has been kind of like a week of uh, first. <laughs> and uh, regarding Tim Peel, um, I mean, everyone knows like the situation that happened, but he was caught uh, essentially making up a makeup call for the for the Devils against Nashville. Which is something that everyone knew, but this is like proof, right? This is like audible, undeniable proof 
that refs do have a hand in games, game management. And um, I was watching, uh, like, this isn't uh, Steve saying it's obviously. And he made a good point. It's like, it wasn't just Tim Peel. There's another voice that when he said, I want to get that penalty against Nashville, there's another voice that says, yeah, I know. So it's not like this is an isolated incident. This is something that all refs do. So it was either his referee counterpart or maybe it was a timekeeper. But whoever it is, this is a, a, a like a widespread thing in the league that's been happening for a while. But this season in particular, for some reason, it's like gone out of control. You know? Also, fairly notable. Uh just in how widespread it is. I, I can't remember. I wish I could. Uh, who pointed this out on Twitter? Um, somebody put up the actual stats for it. And it was showing like the best way to predict who is going to get the next penalty. And basically the best predictor for who's going to take the next penalty is the team that didn't just take one. Right that seems to be the best predictor of it. And what that really says is that, so, okay, uh, take this in the context of Toronto from last season, because you actually had a lot of Leafs fans complaining about the fact that they didn't get a lot of power plays and they didn't, they really did not get a lot of power plays. That wasn't, that's not incorrect. They were, they were seeing that. Um, And it seems like the biggest reason for that is because they were one of the cleanest teams in the league. So they were they were a really clean team. So they did not take a lot of penalties. So they did not get a lot of makeup power plays. That's very interesting, actually. Yeah, it's 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 funny to see the way that works. And it's so refs will call that game management. Um, but I guess the question is, like, is that really something that you you want in a professional sports league? Uh, I saw somebody this morning mentioning uh the NHL has got to be really concerned about this because they just got uh, a whole bunch of money from partnering with uh, sports betting. And if you have a quantity in the game that is actively affecting the game, uh, like if you have a person who's affecting the game, yeah, who can control the game, that's, that's a problem for betting. And that's probably not a great look to the sports betting companies. That's true. Also it's, um, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's just not fair. It's completely unfair. It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to a specific organization. It's not fair to the fans either. Um, and th- this kind of like, this whole thing, just really, like, it makes me think about uh, that overturned goal against the Sens that we had. And then we ended up losing that game in overtime. The overturned goal. Yeah, Gallagher yeah. got Gallagher with the goalie interference. Oh, yeah. Matt Murray. Yeah. Matt Murray had ample time to reset. Physically Matt. spun himself around instead of resetting. Matt Murray. Against. He was Matt looking Murray took at a the calendar year to yeah. turn back around. <laughs> he was facing the direction of the play while Gallagher was still on his back on the ice. Yeah. Ridiculous. He so. definitely like fished for that interference call. And I guess since Montreal either, like, had the most recent power play or, like, you know, they tied the, or they, they won the game, essentially, uh, the refs 
decided to overturn that goal and then they ended up losing in overtime. So that's like, that to me is, and everyone was, you know, like, Hey, like this shows that like refs are managing games. Like, you can't tell me there isn't a problem here. Right. And then people were trying to say like, no, it's not that you conspiracy theorists. Blah, 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 right. But now there's some truth to that with, uh, with what came from Tim Peel uh, essentially saying what we all knew was happening over the mic. And now like our suspicions are confirmed, essentially. It's, it's, it was very much an open secret for years. Like it's yeah. always been very obvious that it's been going on. Um, it's, it's a little wild to see it come out and to see it come out the way it did. Um, yeah. It's also a little, it's a little suspect because he was retiring in like a month, right? And they didn't fire him, really. Yeah, he's like he's still not working. Yeah, but he's gonna get his pension. He's gonna get paid. Yes, Steve. Here's my thing. Okay, forget sports betting. Forget everything else. Officials managing the game. Nobody would give two flying fucks about missed calls or inaccurate calls, weak calls, soft calls, whatever you want to say. I mean, okay, they probably would give like one and a half flying fucks. Like somebody would care because, you know, in the heat of the moment, it would be okay. But nobody would be as angry about the officiating about these human beings making human being errors if the rest of the games weren't managed yeah if officials were not actively like changing the outcomes of games nobody would care about one or two inaccurate calls or missed calls they would be like you know what that's human error but because we know that in every other circumstance it's very possible that they intentionally did not make that call or that they intentionally came down hard on a very soft call. That's where the issue comes in from players and from spectators. Especially when it does affect the game in terms of scoring and who wins or loses. Yeah. If it was just like every so often in a game, you got, you know, some massive human error. That would be one thing. It happens. But because we know that there are, there are officials who are managing the games and literally changing the outcomes of games, that's where I the biggest like root of the issue. If you were just honest and were just like, you know what? Hey, yeah, that was a missed call from like from the officials. If the officials were held accountable and had to explain, you know what? I missed a call but didn't try to do all of the like bullshit makeup calls, even it out, all of that shit, that wouldn't be so bad of an issue as it is because they just fucking decide the outcome of the game. Yeah. It's not the official show. It's not the linesman show when you're trying to drop the fucking puck. It's not the official show. You are there to call the game, like call the, like make sure that the players follow the rules of the game. You are not there to put your fucking thumb down and like change the balance of the scales. Like there's something to be said when like, you know, when, 
when Habs fans complain that like Chris Lee is officiating a game, right? It's because like when you look at him, at his stats, and you see that Montreal has like a real disproportionate uh, loss record with him officiating compared to other referees in the league, there has to, like, that's a notable issue. You know, it's not like the Habs decide to play terribly <laughs> when Chris Lee is officiating them. Like, that that's something that is notably wrong. There, the, right? the fact that, so if anybody follows um, scouting the refs, yeah, it, it is, I, it, it's just, it's, it's significant that, so they'll tweet out before the start of the game that uh, who the refs are going to be and then what the team's winning percentages are with those refs. That is insane. That's like, like, yeah, sure. Like teams are definitely like, they're going to have like higher and lower percentages with different refs and all that stuff just because of uh, just because of the nature of like, you know, who's assigned games. Yeah. But like when you're, when you're starting to get, anything away from like 45 to 55% that I, I feel like that's significant. Like that's, that should be more notable. Yeah. Yeah. It should be. Um, so, when I, it's like, if it's closer to uh, fair, right. If it's closer to like the half percent mark, then that's fine. But when it's so like disproportionately to one side or the other, like that that's something that should be addressed, I do believe. Also, in interesting news, Patrick Marlowe literally said that he would like just leave. That is so funny. Yeah, he went to the athletic and he's like, I'm open to a trade. He's like, Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I'd love a trade. A trade would be great. Now how bad do you have to be as a as an organization to trade the greatest player in your franchise history twice in the twilight of his career? How bad? I mean, man, really just wants a cup. Yeah. He... Is it getting awkward? Like, is it getting awkward for like that he's still doing this? Yeah, because like, like he left and it was emotional and it and he went to Toronto and it was like he was going to try and win a cup. And it kind of felt like he's going to retire at the end of this contract with the Leafs. But then he gets traded and to get rid of his contract because he's a burden to the Leafs. And, you know, he goes back to the uh, Canucks. Oh, my goodness. He goes back to the Sharks. And, it, and it's like, oh, he's returned. And he's going to leave again? Yeah. yeah. It just It's awkward at this point, I think. It must be weird for, like, the players who were with him when he got traded the first time. And they're like, uh, like you know, that whole emotional goodbye that he's back. <laughs> yeah. Right? And now he's like, yeah, I'm hoping to get traded <laughs> again. Oh, my gosh. That must be really weird. What a, what a train wreck. Since their finals appearance, the Sharks have been. It's like at some point you just got to like make peace with the fact that you're never going to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. 
Like, at some point, you just gotta, like, take a long, hard look in the mirror and be like, dude, Patty. Hey, Patty, I need you to uh, lower your expectations a lot. Yeah. To quote Bo Burnham, lower your expectations a lot. I think that your dick is a gift, but I promise it's not. not. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like most players who've played in the NHL don't have a cup. Yeah. All right. It's not like you're the odd one out, Patty. <laughs> Gone are the days where every single star in the league wins a cup in their career. There's not there's not twelve teams anymore. Uh there's thirty one, about to be thirty two teams and I think I think that fans and players included are going to have to get comfortable with the fact that not every star is going to win a cup. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is going to retire without a cup. Yep. I'm calling it now. That's that's done. I um, mean, yeah. Look how close Holtby was. Look how close Ovi got. Yeah, like o- Ovi is going to be when he retires the greatest goal scorer the NHL's ever seen. He's only got and one. He- he, he got into the twilight of his career. Do you remember how many times before Ovi won that cup? We were talking about, oh, man, is this the end for Ovi? And 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 he barely won one. He got it in under the wire. But just imagine, like, Shea Weber being like, yeah, I'm open to a trade. Yeah. or like I'm uh... open to another trade. I know I already uprooted my entire life and family and career, and I left a city that loved me to go to another city that possibly hates me just to win a cup. But I feel like I'm, like, good for a trade right now. Like, fucking imagine. See, but isn't it more – isn't it more than if it was Shea Weber? Like, like I feel like – I feel like there's not a player on the Habs right now that – controversial one here i don't think there's a player on the hands right now that compares to like what what marlo emotionally means to that franchise like marlo being like yeah i'm open for you guys to trade me a second time would be like if Guy Lafleur left the habs came back to the habs and then was like yeah no you can trade me like ouch yeah. Yeah, Ouch! Like it's that's a like like oh you have no uh, no faith. Embarrassing. No loyalty. Screw Buffalo being the most embarrassing team. It's it's San Jose. Yeah. Well, it's not really San Jose. It's Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> Speaking of Buffalo, though, Patrick yes. Marlowe wasn't the only one. <laughs> oh yeah, who was like wow. I was anything to get out of his place? <laughs> Taylor Hall uh, was like I'll waive my no trade class. That's <laughs> fine. And that, yeah, and that's not the only thing coming out of Buffalo right now. But let's talk about Taylor Hall for a minute. Um, I remember last season, Twitter was an absolute, like, no man's land. Like, just, like, everyone was, like, tearing each other apart because they wanted Taylor Hall. It was the Taylor Hall sweepstakes, right? He was leaving Arizona. We didn't know where he was going. Everyone wanted him. I was like of the few, per- the small percentage who didn't want him. <laughs> I know it was everybody was like Taylor Hall. Meanwhile, it was him and I who were like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, but I didn't know a lot. I didn't know enough about hockey at that point to really say anything. Nor did I just like know a lot of people at that point to like throw my hat into that conversation. Um, 
but everyone was like going feral everyone wanted this guy right and then he was like i want to go to contender and he chose buffalo okay that was that was sus right out of the gate like that was always like like when he made the comment i wanted to go to intent a contender and then he chose buffalo yeah jack eichel's not a contender uh, no. uh, <laughs> buffalo is not a contender but like i anybody who is surprised by what the buffalo sabers are this year um learn a new sport learn a new sport because if you did not see this coming for the buffalo sabers uh I, like th- this was the most obvious outcome for this team you could have possibly guessed like I, okay i didn't think they were going to be this bad but like everyone knew they were going to be bad like they were going to yeah. be a fringe playoff team if they had an incredibly successful season so why on earth taylor hall lied and said i want to go to a contender and then chose buffalo i ugh. Like I would have, I would have had more respect for him if he was just like, I really like hot wings. Yeah. <laughs> or if he was Taylor, like, Taylor, why'd you sign with Buffalo? I don't know. They give me free celery and or, with my hot wings. Taxes or just, are cheap. Or just be real and say, because uh, this is what it, this is honestly probably what it looks like it was. Uh, he probably saw an opportunity. He said, Hey, I can get a lot of money if I go to Buffalo, uh, and I can sign for one year. And I will play top line minutes with a superstar in Jack Eichel. And when the year is done, uh, I can leave that hellhole and I can go make the money that I'm worth uh, at a contender. That's what, that's what that was. Now he's worth nothing. Yeah. He completely tanked his value. Bad move. Yeah. Like, like, what did I, I agree with you, James, what it seems like, he was thinking is that if he went to Buffalo, he knew he would get a lot of money uh, because aside from Jack Eichel and maybe a few other players on the team, um, you know, a lot of players are kind of on that roster a, a bit on the cheap side. Right. So he was like, if I go here, I'm guaranteed to get a bunch of money. Right. Cause I'm like a better talent than the rest of the roster aside from like Jack Eichel. Uh, but the issue is that it's the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> I so, really think that Hall thought that he could like save carry, the team. Yeah. Help carry a lot of the team. I really, yeah. I really think that he was like, look, short term deal. Let me go build my value. Let me go kind of, you, you know, I can, I can carry a lot of responsibility. And then he gets there and he realizes that Buffalo is a soul crushing place. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he didn't take that into account when he was doing his, like, equations on the board. He was yeah. Just, like, he forgot that one little variable, so now everything's, like, all the way wrong. What he should have done was taken a cheaper contract on a better team, like, really jacked up his value, and then go to an even better team with a higher value who will give him more money. And then if you're on a better team, you'll get better players. So then you'll perform better. Honestly, and the then he'll be what just, he's worth. He should have just stayed, stayed in Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> like, he <laughs> was not doing bad in Arizona. Like, no. Yeah, but who oh, wants to play hockey in Arizona? Phil Kessel. Does he, though? <laughs> I mean, it was one of the few teams that weren't on his fucking no trade list. Yeah. 
so anyway, and then it was funny. He told, I think it was TSN. He was like, yeah, I'm willing to drop my no movement class. <laughs> yeah, he was willing to waive the, the thing that he was like so adamant that be in his contract. Yeah. Because you know you have to fight for that in your contract. Like, yeah. that's not just something. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, you know, sure. You can have like a li- like five teams you don't want to go to. Fine. No, like, um, like you know, know you have movement? to fight for that. Especially for an $8 million player. Like, that's, like, yeah, it's not a small contract. And, like, I know it's just one year, but, like. But also, like, for someone who's signed for one year, right? Like, with Carrie, it makes sense. Carrie Price. He's been there since 2005. He makes $10 million. He's the franchise goalie. He's allowed to be, like, don't move me because I want to stay here. And they're going to be, like, yeah, of course, we weren't going to move you anyway, right? Yeah. So, for Taylor Hall to come in make eight mil sign for one year and be like, yeah, I want a no movement clause. What were you thinking? Well, can, can you imagine right now if you are, can you imagine right now if you're Kevin Adams and Taylor Hall doesn't want to move out? Like Kevin Adams right now should feel blessed that Taylor Hall wants to leave. Yeah. He should feel blessed. That is an opportunity to recoup on an asset good stuff even even though you tank the value at least you're going to get like a seventh round pick or something i don't know what taylor hall's worth anymore but i think i think uh i think he could still get he still has some value because people will look at like his previous years right i think whatever value you get out of taylor hall would be more than the stall trade which we'll get to in a bit um but like i it's I think I agree with you I think it's good that he wants to go so okay for Kevin Adams who do we think is going to overpay for him oh where's where's he going because he's he's going to get traded where's he going either like the Leafs or like Chicago I think Chicago because Chicago's full of rookies right now right yeah that's fair that would be interesting so they want like a bit like a a vet but like a younger kind of vet if that makes sense um because like Patrick Kane is like carrying that team right now yeah they need that's why he's in the hard race um I would say like Leafs Chicago or like maybe Philly because Philly is having a really tough stretch right now I I don't think Philly's gonna be a buyer at the deadline I think Philly's gonna sell probably yeah. I, I don't even think they're gonna sell I think Philly's probably just gonna kind of stand pat like they might sell off some depth yeah but like they're not they're not gonna go trading for stars or trading away any stars. I think Philly might see this as a bit of a That's fair. I think you... I think Philly is hoping that it's an off year. I don't necessarily think it is, but I think that's what Philly's thinking. Do you think Hall can still be considered a star though? No. Yeah. That yeah. that ship has sailed. Um well, okay. Very like good player, yes. Do I think he could have another uh, heart trophy run? Maybe, but on the right team. The thing is, those that happening would be the surprise. Yeah. Like right now, the the career trajectory for Taylor Hall is just down. Like it's it is only down from here, and he's gonna he's gonna go to another team and he's gonna put up more points because you literally could not put up less points. Just by yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> to be honest, just by uh, uh, the the nature of being on a different team that isn't Buffalo, you know, because yeah. everyone's everyone's 
talking about like people are criticizing the stall trade which again we'll get into but like everyone's like oh but he's terrible look at his numbers like yeah but he's on buffalo look at everyone's number jack eichel has two goals i buffalo is so incredible so okay there's a thing i used to believe strongly which is even on a bad team somebody has to score um i call this the jeff skinner effect uh but (laughs) that it is so abundantly clear that that is just like that is not true. Like you can truly have a team Where that no is one can score. So bad. Like wow. It, wow. Well, there's a there's that fun fact that the Buffalo Sabers have had more shutout losses than they have had wins. Is that for real? That's for real. Yeah, that's actually real. Like wins of any kind, they've had they've been like shut a win. Out regulation okay. or overtime win you want you want to know another fun fact yeah they have less wins than the habs have regulation losses wow the buffalo savers have six wins <sighs> of any kind the habs have eight regulation losses wow okay so the, like that's okay. how terrible this is right now wow. for the savers okay so the the next big question then to me with buffalo is um what city oh what do you mean where do you fold and then move this franchise to like oh, where, how do you how do you get away from whatever the hell is going on in buffalo dude something back to atlanta the <laughs> seven one three motherfuckers they're going to houston, houston. atlanta houston literally put, anywhere <laughs> put them in moose jaw like yeah holy crap like wow like how do you how do you remove the the stench of this season from this team this may be the worst team since the expansion washington capitals they're worse than the detroit red rings were last year oh yeah and detroit was actively trying to be bad yeah detroit got to a point where they're like we're tanking (laughs) oh yeah like okay detroit had an 11 game losing streak Buffalo Sabres has a 15-game losing streak right now. They haven't won since February 25th. It is March 27th. Holy crap! It's oh, it's it's uh, painful. Like there is something wrong with this franchise. That's honestly like when you get to a 15-game losing streak. Yeah. Like. At some point, you're going to win, but, like, you need to go see, like, a sports psychiatrist at that point. Like, I, like, genuinely, like, how? Well, you know what? Uh, They're playing right now, and they're currently one nothing against Boston. Oh, so that just means they're not going to get shut out tonight. Yeah, but the first period just ended. Oh, and they're on a power play. And Boston's out shooting them. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something, like, deeply wrong with this organization. And it's 100% the owners, the Pagulas, they don't care. They don't care about the Sabres because they have all their stock in the Buffalo Bills, their NFL team. Um, I don't think they have, like, a – I don't think there's a Buffalo, like, basketball or baseball team. Um, No, there's not. So it's like you're only managing two teams. Like you're only you only own two teams at this point, right? 
why is it so difficult to to manage this team? Well, how have you not fired your GM? How have you not just sold the team? Like well, as a mercy at this point. Well, because they're making money off of it still. But the thing yeah, is not that, for much longer. Right, but the thing is, is that the it, the owners are the ones who are going to have to fire the GM. It's not like the GM's going to quit. Yeah, the, I mean, but they <laughs> don't care. That's the thing. They don't care about this team anymore. Right. And that's not fair to anyone. Least of all the players, but mostly least of all the fans. The people who are giving you money. And this is how you're... This is the product that you're taking their money for. Buffalo. For 16 games in a row, you fucking lost a game. Buffalo can't afford another season like this. And and I and I don't even just mean like they can't afford another like season where they're this bad because they certainly cannot afford that. I I mean they can't. They can't survive another season. They they cannot afford to have another year where they don't they can't have another year where they're not hopeful like yeah holy crap like how long is this fan base gonna have to suffer like i like okay they got eichel and it was exciting for like a hot minute but like by the time that they have to then go and draft darlene like that like yeah like it was it was awesome it's very exciting that they won the draft again but like that's like that's gotta kill some of your spirit that you're drafting that low that many times in that many years like like this is like this is the saddest franchise in sports it is like i'd rather be i would rather be a fan of last season's detroit red wings Oh, yeah. a fan of this season's Buffalo Sabres. At least last season's uh, Detroit Red Wings had Steve uh, Stevie Y. At least, like, you could tell that it was upsetting that that was the performance that they were delivering. And, they like, everyone was upset with it. No one was happy about it. Uh, and then it got to the point where they're like, we're going to like actively tank so we can get a better, like try and get a better draft year so we can like try and rebuild this team again. Right. And then in the off season, they made some moves to, to take the steps towards it. Right. Like they know yeah. it's not going to be soon, but at least they're like, okay, we're actively putting ourselves on the, on that road now to get there in six years or whatever right well and isn't that isn't that the biggest problem with this is like i guess that that's kind of what i was trying to get to earlier is just like how how can this team that's had like i don't i don't even know how many picks in the top like five in the past like 10 years and a team that got jack eichel and then got rasmus tolling how can you how can you say that hey we're gonna start a rebuild. Like, what do you mean? We were already rebuilding. Like, yeah. how? Like, holy crap! Like, what are they gonna do? Fire a new GM? Like, fire the GM? Bring in a new guy to be like, hey, we're rebuilding, but properly this time. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? We did. We weren't doing it properly last seven times. We tried to do this. Yeah. Uh, like, I, holy crap! Like, man. 
like it's it's ingrained in the franchise. Like they are so bad that I could imagine a scenario where a player near the end of his career is like, man, I really don't want to go play in like, I don't know, let's call it Montreal. And like, can you imagine he has Montreal on his no move list and then they just waive their no move clause to then get traded to the Montreal Canadiens for a third rounder and a fifth rounder. That would be nuts. That'd be insane. I, I think that's how bad this franchise is. Before we get into the Eric Stahl trade, there's a few things uh, that we want to mention. First of all, Bob Plager, a legend of the St. Louis Blues, passed away tragically in a car crash. Um, so we just want to take a moment to send our respects to the Plager family and to the Blues organization. Um, it's always hard when you lose someone who means so much to you, but especially when it's like so sudden and so tragic like that. So we offer our condolences and may Bob Plager, Plager rest in peace. Yeah. Remember, he was the guy who took the Stanley Cup to his brother's grave, his yeah. brother who also played for the Blues. Oh, in this, when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, he drank a beer out of the cup with his, his Blues alumni brother. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's like a big reverberation around the hockey world, you know, to lose a player that means so much to a franchise just suddenly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we wish um, as much healing as possible to his family and may his memory be a blessing. Of course. Also, Sasha Barkov is out with a lower body injury. Yeah. Which is bad for what? My fucking fantasy team! (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't he your alternate captain? He's one of my alternate captains! (laughs) Now I have a captain and an alternate captain who are out. So who's your other A? Is it Scandella? Um, it's David Perron. So David I guess Perron. he's in charge of the team now. Interim, interim captain. Interim captain David, David Perron. Perron. Not a bad choice. <laughs> well, and lest we forget the other team that is incredibly affected in this scenario, uh, the Florida Panthers, uh, who I'm assuming, yeah, he leads in goals. Uh, he leads in, oh, actually, no, just kidding. He doesn't lead in assists. That's Huberto, but he does lead in points. He has 37 points in 31 games. He's having a good season again. Yeah, uh, who the fuck are you telling? He's on my fantasy team. <laughs> fuck the Panthers. <laughs> this is all about Lecky's helmet hair. <laughs> <laughs> actually, where, where are you in the standings right now? I'm fourth in the standings right now, Wait, motherfucker. Where am I? All right, second. I'm fifth. Miso. I'm going to get you, Miso. I was doing so well. I was the haves when we started this. I had like a hot start <laughs> and then I just fell off because all my, all my, well, Jack Eichel. That's why. My, my <laughs> only real L, like the only loss I've taken in any week was to Miso. And then didn't we tie? Yeah, we tied. So. Yeah, we tied. That's what I thought. I yeah, just yeah. got finished, um, like, 
last week it was Riley. The week before that, I think it was James. Yeah. Yeah, and we tied. Oh, it was such a bummer. I was like watching. I was like, I think I had one game left when you finished up. And it was like, if I got a goal, we would have won. And I think I had like, I want to say it was like Neil Pionk was still in a game or something like that. <laughs> so I was like, oh, if Neil yeah. Pionk scores, I win. If not, we tie. I think we tied. Yeah, we tied. Uh, I didn't binge Zabanajad today, though. Good. I had oh, good started. He's already got a goal. <laughs> I have uh Bichnevich on my team. He's been he I feel like he gets a lot of like points off of Zavanajad. <laughs> I don't know if they play together, but um but yeah, yeah. So I, I started Mika today. I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> no, you should have him always active. Just Never remove permanently him. in there. Don't don't yeah. even make it don't even make it option. Don't even yeah. make it an option to be able to replace him. Bench Logan Couture. Yeah. <laughs> Just sit down, Logan. <laughs> but, yes, Eric Stahl is now a Montreal Canadian. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That was shocking, actually. And the That's... price was not Arturi Lekkonen. No. Actually, I'm looking was... at you, Habs Chronicle, fucking <laughs> at me and shit. Single-handedly growing my follower count and my anxiety. <laughs> Thanks for the free followers, uh, uh, but not for the anxiety. However, it didn't cost anyone. Because we got him for uh, a third, a fifth, and 50% retained salary. In one of the weakest draft classes in years. Yeah. Wow. And um, we still have third and fifth picks from, like, I think it's Ottawa and Chicago. We have. I can tell you I have that up right now. Um, so we still have our... So we still have our first, our second, Tampa's second, Chicago's third, Washington's third, our own fourth, St. Louis's fourth, Vegas's fourth, Ottawa's fifth, Philadelphia's fifth, which is going to be a really nice fifth, our own sixth, and our own seventh we inevitably will trade away at some point, probably because Mark Bergeron really doesn't like seventh rounders, apparently. Uh, Jake Evans. Except for Jake Evans, yeah. Except for Jake Evans. And Caden Primo, actually. He was seventh rounder, too. Yeah, but goalies go late, so. Um, yeah, so we got him for, like, nothing. Pretty uh, much. Like, less than nothing. Like Less than nothing. They they paid us to take him, which is absolutely <laughs> absurd, because it's that is still a free Eric Stahl. Yeah. Uh, uh, any Stahl brother, like, I'll take. Didn't he have you know? 50 points, like, last season? I think so. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> and it's it's funny because when the when the um the talks were still like in the in the work in the work of the trade, I was like, he's coming to Montreal. We just don't know what what it's going to cost, right? I was thinking to myself, like, if Kevin Adams had any kind of like human decency, <laughs> he would just <laughs> trade his players for picks, and he wouldn't bring anyone else into the team. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was announced two, two picks, and like half retained salary. And I was like, "Wow, I they actually did, they did the right thing." 
I have tweet notifications on for the Habs, like yeah. tweets, like always. Um, just because I'm like always on the hunt for lecky content. Yeah. But um, I saw that it was just picks. Like obviously the French one comes in before the English one does. And I was like, wait, does this say that this is just picks? And I thought it was fake. So I had to like go and like, <laughs> like verify that it was yeah. the Habs that were tweeting it, that it was just picks. And I was like, okay. I was literally walking to my car to go to work. And I was like trying to walk down the stairs and I could not feel my legs. <laughs> I, was, I like lost feeling in my extremities. And I was yeah, like, well, people were scared ah! that like they would send luck in it, but like, there's no way, there's no way. Just like he's not getting sorry. traded unless, unless he's part of like a knockout deal for like a massive player. I, well, like he's not going anywhere. Um, but I was expecting someone to go even though I didn't want anyone to go. Like, there's not a player on the team, like, whether I like them or not, there's not a player on the team that I was like, yeah, I, I won't feel bad if you go to Buffalo, <laughs> you know? I would feel terrible um, if anyone went to Buffalo. I so, would wish that on my worst enemy. No, so I'm really happy that it was only picks. Um, I just don't want to look at Eric Stahl's weird-ass face for the rest of the season. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, the Stahl brothers just have, like, weird faces. They've all got, like, the clefts in their chin are just like really low on their chin and their chins are really long it's a very aggressive face like all four of them just have weird faces don't forget (laughs) there's that one forgotten stall brother yeah the little stall there's it's eric stall jordan stall mark stall and who's the other one jared jared stall yeah so eric jordan jared and mark not in that order. <laughs> Do you guys want a uh, a fun a fun little uh, guessing game here? Yeah. Okay. I'm things. gonna I'm gonna read you two numbers. Okay. Oh God. Okay. Bad at numbers. Emily's bad at numbers. So here's numbers. here's we'll here's the first number. Seven million eight hundred and fifty seven thousand. Uh, and seven million two hundred and forty six thousand. Okay. One of those numbers is Shea Weber's contract. Which one is it? I have a point to this. The second, second one? Uh, so the first one, the uh, seven, uh, eight, is yeah. Shea Weber's uh, cap hit this year. The second is the cap hit of combined uh, – Jake Evans, Eric Stahl, Kotkaniemi, Nick Suzuki, and Philip Deneau. We are paying less for our centers than we are for one Shea Weber. Wow. That's, I think that's pretty well done. Uh, that's some well done work there by uh, Mark Bergman, I think. Not too shabby. I think so too, especially when you have those monster contracts like Weber and Price on the team. Right? Yeah. So, Okay. What what do you guys think? Uh, what what do we think that this trade means? Because I think a lot of people were freaking out about it for no reason and saw it as really pointless. I think it's a really good trade. I think it means that our, we're we're really young down the center. Yeah, and they're still in a playoff spot at the halfway point in the season. They didn't have that luxury last season. 
So getting closer to the trade deadline, so now everybody's going to start making moves. Everybody's going to be way more expensive. I think it means that we're really young down the center. Yeah. That Bergevin expects that the team is going to be able to maintain a playoff spot and get into the playoffs. And in the playoffs, you don't need like every center on your team to be that young. One, two, and three years in the league is really young. Super young. Now, and, so now they have. I'm sorry, D, I cut you off. And you know, yes, they do have some playoff experience from last season, but, but, Stahl has more. Yeah. Well, and doesn't it also look to you guys like Mark Mark Bergman really took a look at? what this season is and said, Hey, uh, I'm still playing Allen a whole ton. This may be uh, the best carry price we've seen going into the playoffs in years and years and years. Uh, let's get the center depth uh, to support a long playoff run. Cause you're, you're going to lose guys to injury in the playoffs. That's just the case. Um, and so let's say you lose a winger, you can, you know, you can shuffle some guys around and like, you know, put, put stall on a wing. Like, it's not like he can't play there. He's been in the league for years and years and years. So he knows how to play. Uh, we lose a center. Okay, sweet. We have an Eric Stahl ready to go. And that's, and that's not even mentioning, like, we still got guys like Frolika's depth. Like, I think this was just a great depth, a great depth move. Like, yeah. Like uh, 7 million on five centers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's great. I'm down. Uh, yeah, it's de- it was definitely a depth move. He's uh, I would expect to see him on the fourth line a lot, just like shoring up and like cushioning, um, sort of like the bottom half of Evans, our forward yeah. line. Evans too. Uh, he can play left wing. He can play center. I would expect I I would kind of expect to see him like Stahl and Evans sort of switch back and forth between who's playing center yeah. uh, in games. I would expect to see Evans like kind of scratched a bit more now um, just to rest him. You know, he's still a baby. There's no rush. There's no rush with Evans, to be honest. Um, or, and then you could also throw stall in the wing when you want Evans to play center because he can do that too. Uh, like, yeah, like you said, I think it's a great depth move. I think, I don't think he's going to stay with us for a long time. I think it's like a rental. No. Really. I think uh, he's also like, I would expect to see him um, not not at the deadline, but in the offseason, I would expect to see Bergevin, like especially if he plays well, I would expect to see Bergevin flip him for another asset uh, in the offseason. I think, I think he's only got the one. Wants- Sorry? I think he's only got the one year on his contract. Yeah, well, he has an expiring contract too, which is also why, like, it was so cheap. And they and I could like, Sabres didn't care about retaining half his salary because it's, it's done uh, at the end of the season. So I don't think anything will happen at the trade deadline in terms of like flipping him, but I would imagine seeing him going to the off season, either flip for another asset. I could see him going to Seattle too. I don't know, um, or he could replace Dino. I don't know. But I think it's like like you said, just a depth move. I don't think it's anything like. I don't think it's like we're. Yeah, I don't. We're not like staking our future on this guy. <laughs> no. No, but now you could rest, um, Perry. Yes. 
Now you can yes. have Perry well rested for the, the playoffs. playoffs, or now you can have Armia well rested. Now you have another player instead of just lucking in for a leak to come in and play third or fourth line minutes when you need to rest one of the third or fourth line wingers. Exactly. So, so I guess then the other question is, and it's a bit of an elephant in the room with the stall trade. Um, we are pretty close to the cap right now. So yeah. we have a cap it right now today. We have a cap it of 80 of around 81 million and we have about $500,000 in projected cap space. Yeah, that's not um, even enough for like an ELC deal. <laughs> yeah, so somebody is going to have to move. Yeah. I think and, it's Byron. You think it's Byron? Yeah. You want to offload like a bigger contract. And if you can offload one contract for one player instead of of having to offload a couple of contracts to make your cap space, um, now you have less assets to replace. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, my and- thought process of it. So instead of packaging, say, Lekanen and Mete, you know, to offload their contracts, Mete makes like league minimum or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mete I mean- makes uh, 700. 700- Five thousand. Yeah, so he makes like league minimum. Lekkinen makes like two million. He got that in arbitration. He makes something like that. He makes two point four. Yeah, so it, it wouldn't make small. sense. I think if if, if that doesn't if clear up enough space going, for in you, in my you... opinion, it's gonna be uh, no. Dano or yeah. Byron. Dano or Byron. Maybe Armia? I don't know. Yeah, because uh, you've, gotta, say, you've gotta get I'd rid of one of the bigger Armia. contracts. Yeah, it's it's more likely Armia or Byron. I think it would th- it would yeah. make no sense to get rid of Dano at this point. No. Um if no, only they just would because wanna... Yeah, like you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna look like, oh yeah, I'm going into uh, you know, a deep playoff run. Time to trade a guy who could be my number one center for a little bit. Um no, you're probably gonna look at, you know, where where do I have a lot? And you're gonna look at okay. We have a uh, we have a lot of wingers right now, uh, and you're gonna look at okay. So, Armia is under contract uh, until the end of this season. He's got a cap hit of 2.6 million. He's not been super this year. Um, and then you're gonna look at Paul Byron, who you've got down on the taxi squad right now. Who he you've got until 23 24, uh, and he's got a cap hit right now of 2.3 million. You're getting rid of one of those guys yeah. to free up cap space and we're probably getting back it might it might look a little bit like the stall trade going the other way to be entirely honest because we're not going to take on we're maybe a prospect like we're not going to take well no no it's it's probably enough prospects the other thing you could do is you could send evans down i don't know if that's honor like intuitive onto to the taxi squad no to laval yeah like you're saying to laval no, 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 you can send Evans down to the taxi squad. Would he get claimed off? I don't know. That uh, way he, he wouldn't still... have to because he's a rookie, right? Like he doesn't have to go on waivers. Yeah, I don't he's, know. He's, he's waiver exempt. He's yeah, waiver, he's waiver exempt. exempt. Yeah, okay. So you could send him to the taxi squad. So then, yes, I know that doesn't like free up that much cap space, but that's also something you can do. That way he can still train with the big club. He can still be there if you need him for injury or anything like that. Um, you can 
clear some of his some of his cap as mm-hmm. well. Um, now that you've also got another center to take his position. I, I'd say Bergman is more likely just to kind of permanently fix the issue in that I think I think he's less likely to screw around with uh, like taxi squad, taxi squad cap shenanigans. Well, why? Um, but he's been doing that all season. He's well, been doing the, taxi squad cap shenanigans all season. He's I got Frolik sitting there who hasn't played, but he's I, sitting there because of a cap hit. But those are more like just saving money moves. But like, I think James is alluding more to like actual roster and production problems. Yeah, I think I think um, he I I think Bergevin like the reason I'm saying I think he's more likely to just trade a player is because I think he's probably looking at it and saying. I think he'd rather be able to give Ducharme whatever lineup he thinks is right uh, rather than be like, no, you can't have this guy right now because I can't move him up because we're we're squeezed at the cap. Yeah. I, well, I, the only other issue, like too, though, is that in Laval, Laval did just lose two players to injury, two centers to injury. Yeah. Who went down? Belzeal oh, and Vedemo. So they just lost two of their massive sinners to injury so if you can get evans under the taxi squad then if it becomes an issue with belzeal and vedemo being out for too long evans is right there for laval he can go play a few games in laval which i don't think he'd have an issue going to laval no no know how he feels about bouchard and everything and evans is i mean he's still a really young player yeah so there's also that issue that you have to kind of think about is that yeah, Laval's got a lot of players still in the wings, but they don't have, they have like a lot of defensemen, yeah. you know, kind of waiting around. They've got a lot of wingers waiting around. They don't have that many like dedicated centers to really come in and take Belzeal or Vedemo's spot. Yeah. So now they're struggling, you know, on their forward line. Yeah. So that's also a very valid option for them is that they've got Evan who birds one stone let's go get your confidence back under a guy who builds your confidence like no fucking other (laughs) yeah and let's also save some money on the cap while we're at it yeah and then we're not so stuffed with uh like roster uh potential right there's a like there's a bit more you don't have like a million people waiting around on the taxi squad uh and you're like shuffling around players on the bottom six just to get everyone to play or in Prode's case not play at all but yeah so there is like an there is like a hole in Laval though right now that needs to be filled yeah so uh, but Evan's going to Laval is 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 an option yeah it wouldn't be a bad thing either I don't hate it no I don't hate it I don't I think Evans okay would have a big I don't think Evans would have a big issue with it either um however there's still the issue of like defense well yeah but that's like a whole other issue they're, well, they need to bring in someone. And I, I think if someone needs to be brought in, people have to move. So I can see, like, if Mete gets moved. Or, like, Mete Kulak, even though I, I would like to keep Kulak. Um, I could see that less for, like, because they don't have a big cap hit. You, like, it would still contribute a little bit if they got moved. But just to make space on the roster. I think, and this sucks, I think they'd be more likely to move Kulak. I know, which I hate. I would rather keep Kulak. He's been I, doing so well. He has a better value, though, I would say. That's, yeah, that's kind of the thing. 
cap wise he makes more money more. Than yeah well and the other thing is we still control victor mate like he's still a restricted free agent uh when his contract's up at the end of this season we've got kulak until the end of next season at 1.85 and then after that he's a ufa so it's ah, it's kind of a tough one yeah but it's like what are we willing to do to get someone like at home who we could use on our yeah. team right what, what do you think okay if the habs are putting together a package for at home what do you think it looks like I would say if they're more likely to trade Kulak, I would say Byron Kulak and a first. Kulak, Brooke, and a first. Yeah. They want, yeah, they wanted a first. They wanted a roster player, a prospect, and a first. And a first, yeah. I agree with that. Kulak, Brooke, and a first. Or Paling. I'd give them Paling. But I think they would want a defensive prospect instead of a forward prospect. Mm. I would even be willing to part with Gianni Fairbrother. Oh, Fairbrother. Because he's got a good trade value. Who who are your untouchable defensive prospects? Who who are the ones where you're like, I don't touch those? Flurry, Harris, Harris, Struble, Leskinen. Yeah. I would probably I, I might even put Norlinder on that list. Uh. Yeah. I mean, we haven't, we haven't the issue is, much with Norlinder though. is, yeah, when does Norlinder come over? Is it worth – I mean, I don't want to lose Norlinder. No. Yeah. I don't want to not have Norlinder if he becomes what he can be. But the thing is, is when does, when does he come over? When, when does he come? Gonna... When will there be space for him? Yeah. yeah. So it's like – That's fair. Get rid of whatever. But it's also up to him to decide if he wants to make the transition to North America. Yeah. Like, yeah, he has to – he doesn't have to make that transition. If they yeah, like true. say like they He's trade his rights it in the SHL. Say they trade his rights, but then he never comes over. That's not a loss for us. That's true. I, I don't think that will happen. I think I think it's more no. likely than not that he'll come over at some point, but But when? And when will there be know. room for him? That's I think kind of thing. Like, that's like why Flurry would Flurry would have to move up to be a part of Montreal at that point. But that's just one. Like there's Harris, Struble, Gooley. And Norland, that's four. Yeah. Right? And when you look at the, like, defense on Laval, it's, like, it's good defense, but only one or two of them will be, be become NHLers, right? Yeah. Somebody's going to move, though. That's, I give them, that's the crux of it. Out of the four of... Harris, Gooley, Struble, and Norlander, I would be okay with Struble or Norlander to get them. Like I said, yeah. I'm okay losing Brooke, their yeah, brother. Brooke um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of defense like defensive I'd, prospects that I'd we have that we can losing Gooley. Like if that's what it takes to Gooley. get back home, I wouldn't hate that. I like... I kind of hate it in the long term though. Yeah, how old is Ekholm? Uh, first of all, he is thirty years old. My thing so is, so I give them Byron uh, a first, and you know, like you said, Brooke, Struble, Norlander. That's what I give them, and I like throw in Mete too. <laughs> or you can keep Mete and like package him with Armia for something else. I don't know. My thing is, you want 
the AHL team to be competitive as well. Yeah. So even if you have players who are technically prospects, but they play more AHL games than they ever play NHL games, you still need the AHL team to be competitive because that is where you are developing a majority of your prospects yeah. is mm-hmm. in the AHL. If the AHL team is not competitive, then your prospects development kind of gets off, like goes off the rails. Yeah. So even if Gooley never makes it to the NHL, I would still want to keep Gooley because of we saw him play. Yeah. Yeah, he at did the beginning well. of the season in Laval, and he he was murdering people. Yeah, he was killing it. He was doing so well. So even if he never makes it to the NHL, you still want that player on your AHL team to like help and cushion with development of other future NHL prospects that will come through the system. Yeah. And that's a big thing for me is that just because you can get rid of some prospects that are probably AHL bound for their career, just, you know, whatever part of their development just kind of derails a little bit, just because you can like Michael McNiven, just because you could get rid of him just because he's a, he's pretty much solely an AHL guy. You keep them because Michael McNiven is helping cushion Caden Primo's development. Yeah. Yeah. Michael McNiven helps keep the team in games so that the forward and defensive prospects also don't lose all of their confidence in a game and just start, you know, throwing it down the shitter. Everyone in the AHL has a job. Right. The AHL, I've said it before, the AHL is primarily a development league. Yeah. So even if you've got people who are career AHLers, or spend most of their time in the AHL. They're still incredibly you, important. Yeah, yeah, you still need those players. So, like Jordan Wheel is a really good example. He could very easily be on the fourth line on most teams, uh, but he's also really useful as a development and, um, help and a leader in the AHL, right? Yeah. I just, I really, th- I, well, I obviously follow the a- AHL more than uh other people follow the ahl um and to me it's really important that your ahl team still be as well built as like complete and as competitive as possible because of the fact that that's where you that it's ideally you want to get with juniors or college or what have you or european prospects as developed as possible and then use the AHL to help refine their game and transition to the next level. Yeah. Unless they're just ready for it when they, when they get here. Um, so you need your AHL team to be as competitive as possible because of all those reasons. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, we could go on forever about that. However, there is, um, there is other shit uh, to yeah. talk about. <laughs> Pressing concerns coming out of Montreal. Uh, yeah. Uh, Yoel Armia and Yesri Kotkiniemi have been on the COVID protocol for like a week now. This is I miss the, the boys. Oh my God, I miss them so much. <laughs> this is the first time this season in the North Division that players have entered the protocolist and have stayed on it. Uh, and the first time it has resulted in postponed games for the North division. 
following the like initial announcement of them entering the protocol and then like the 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 league stepping in deciding to suspend them until Sunday um Mark Bergevin had a presser and revealed that the positive COVID case was one of the variants which explains why uh the Habs organization, the Montreal government, uh, or maybe perhaps even the Quebec government, uh, and the NHL league itself decided to shut them down. And the PA. Let's not forget that the PA was also involved in that. Yes. Yeah. The NHL PA was also involved in shutting down um, all team-related activities um, following this um, the variant, being tested for positive for the variant. Um yeah. Because, well, one, they are a big part of the testing measures and everything that are in place. But also, two, because that's kind of their job. And they've seen everything kind of just get explode in the States when teams have outbreaks. They really stepped in to mitigate um, players' exposure. So... Ultimately, we're very lucky. It's just Armia and Kwatkami. And we know it's only one of the players that tested positive. Yes. The other one is just there because they were a high-risk you know, exposure. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know which is which yet, right? Nope, and we probably won't know. That's up to the NHL and the PA to yeah. release, and they haven't released that yet. Um, so I don't think we'll ever know which one actually tested positive short of matching with one of them on Tinder and being like, Hey buddy, (laughs) (laughs) was it you running theory and they are, and neither of them are single. So (laughs) yeah. So we're never going to know. We're never going to know. Um, it's unfortunate. Obviously you don't want your players to get COVID. Um, however, they're taking like the measures that they're taking and the cautionary response that's come out of this makes me as a fan a lot more comfortable with how like my players are being treated essentially right yeah it's much better than just letting it run rampant you have to put 10 11 players on in into covid protocol Mm -hmm. and a lot of people were complaining which we'll get into that but a lot of people were complaining i got a lot to say about that (laughs) if this was the states like they play because it's only two players and it's like yeah however do you see what's happening in the states (laughs) two players will be on the list they'll play a game and then like another everybody else is on the list and then you roped another another team into it another team has to go on the list now because the thing about covid is that it doesn't incubate the same uh, person to person. It's kind of unique in how it presents itself. Some people can be asymptomatic, they'll never know. Some people can have a bunch of symptoms, but it's like maybe they're not, their viral load isn't as big as someone else, right? If they had like the original strain, they're not as contagious as the variant. Um, uh, Like it can take a while for the viral load to be big enough for the tests to come back positive, which is why they've postponed these games and they're testing the players every day to see if there's a development in it, right? That's why the high-risk close contact player is still on the list, even though, like, there's only one positive for sure. 
And that's why it's such a big issue in the States because they'll get one positive and be like, oh yeah, you quarantine, we'll play everyone else. But then it develops in someone else. And now there's like five people, the whole game is postponed and you expose another team. Yep. That's how it works. Yep. This is how it should be working. This is how the league should have been handling it since the beginning. Yep. Uh, and if they handled it this way, I, I would argue that there would be way less postponed games. The game against the Montreal Oilers game, the first game that was supposed to happen, that was the 42nd postponed game this season. Wow. Yeah. Because no one is following proper protocols, even, even when they do send off the positive players to quarantine. Because there's, like, follow-up. You know, it's not just the one person. It's everyone that they're in contact with that you have to like follow up with that protocol and all that safety, you know, that's why, that's why it's been postponed this long. And you know, it sucks for us, but like, hello, would you rather the team (laughs) gets COVID and then pass it off to someone else? Do you remember last season when they had like the flu or something and players were leaving the bench to go puke? In the middle of the game, yeah. they would play their shifts, come back to the bench. You'd see like the shortest bench because that the team, or the the line that just came off would go puke, and then come back to the bench for their next shift or other unpleasant things. <laughs> like, uh, and then like that, and then what the Habs were sick, they played, they did all that, they were like chugging their cookies in between shifts right and then after that game was over you'd see like other teams in the league would would be getting the same thing because the sick Habs players who were playing were passing it off to those teams that they were playing against but that shows how quickly illness spreads yeah right especially in a contact sport in a contact sport also there was uh, after the NWHL had to suspend their season there was a uh report that came out that hockey is actually like the worst sport to play in the middle of a pandemic because (laughs) of the Zambonis. Because the, uh, the pollutants in the air, right. They get mixed in with the Zamboni exhaust that gets pumped back out into the, into the air. Right. And since it's so cold in arenas, heat like the air won't rise. So the circulation isn't as good. So it all stays low to the ice. And then in hockey, it's like a super high octane sport, right? You're like sprinting up and down the ice, taking in all these like gulps of breath. It spreads easier. Holy crap. Hockey arenas. Why are they playing at all? What? (laughs) Holy crap. Because money, James. That's literally (laughs) the reason they took the glass from behind the players. Oh my God. What? That's why it's gone. For better ventilation. Which is so funny to me because they're still squeezing those tiny penalty (laughs) 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 boxes. Although they share it with their same team, but still, it's like. And then they still have to go and the timekeepers are still in their locker room and they're all sitting next to each other anyway well they like separate but still it's like what how big are you really telling me everyone's six feet apart in the locker room (laughs) i doubt it (laughs) so ridiculous yeah hockey's the gayest sport anyway you know they're like cuddling on the plane that's so true (laughs) they can't even they can't go like one goal without without, like hugging like 
up against the glass like and <laughs> you know they're still doing the they're still doing the goalie hugs like literally forehead to forehead head oh yeah Right. They're just talking in the goalie's face, like, yeah. <laughs> a boy, price, sir, good game. <laughs> or like fights. Yeah. Hockey fights. They're Benjamin. still wrestling each other to the ground. <laughs> or the ice, I should say. Yeah. Right. So, so it's like a whole thing. Hockey's like the worst sport to play in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> a respiratory pandemic. Jeez. Um, but on that note, I yes. would like to say it is not. The players' fault, Connor McKenna, that yeah. they oh caught COVID. It is nobody's fault ever that they caught COVID. And it is not embarrassing either. I He is – you know what is embarrassing is uh, having him anywhere associated with this uh, fan base. Yeah. What a fucking clown show. Uh, I Like – just how how ignorant how friggin ignorant do you have to be uh a year into this thing to make those comments uh the one that really got me and the one that he left up for some reason he took everything else down he was like yeah that's still fine uh he said something to the effect of like was there a uh, gathering of the Finnish community in Montreal that I yeah. like yeah what, was, like, like what the hell are you saying Connor like well, that's so like, disgusting is- is this like an Ovechkin, like Capitals situation? That's so gross. First of all, Arturi tra- Lekkinen would have been on COVID protocol yeah. as well. KK and Armia are travel companions. Yep. Do they live together? I don't think so. But um, they're together when they travel, like they're travel buddies. But also like, okay, it's nobody's fault that they, that one of them got COVID. So many people we know, they would say, like, who contracted COVID, they're like, I did everything right. I wore a mask, I sanitized, uh, I washed my hands, I sanitized, like, groceries when I got them, and I still caught it. I don't know how, right? If you were to go to whatever player uh, who's positive and be like, hey, how'd you get it? They'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's not It's not like you get COVID and you go, ah, crumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did this to myself. No. That's not how it works. Like, okay, if you're if you're flaunting the rules or whatever, yeah, sure. But you like uh, just just to assume that as somebody to put that out there on Twitter when when you're when you've got a following like Connor McKenna is like, what an asshole. Like he took a break from jerking off to PK Subban for six hours to shout at people about how it's actually their fault that they got COVID. That's disgusting. Do you want to tell the hundreds of thousands of people who have died in the United States of America that it is their fault they died from COVID? I said actually, um, when he he said his first terrible take, calling it embarrassing, and then he had the gall, like everyone was saying, like shut up, right? He had the gall to quote tweet his own tweet and say like, oh, if I catch COVID, you guys can hold me accountable. It's like we're not gonna hold you accountable. Because there's no blame here, right? And then I responded to him, I'm like, that's so disrespectful to the people who caught it, suffered through it, or even died from it. I'm so glad that I'm blocked by this <laughs> fucking bile spewing shit given. You're so lucky. I'm so glad I'm blocked. He blocked uh, he had- me over a Harrison Wells gif. He, he hasn't, uh, he has not yet 
block me, and I'm a little bit bummed about that. Okay, here's him. what you do. I will send you the GIF. Quote tweet one of his tweets with that GIF. That's what works for me. It was literally just Harrison Wells saying, you stop talking, you stop talking too. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that got me blocked. What a fucking baby. He can't take it either. Previously, he had followed me and then blocked me over a Harrison Wells GIF. But I had him muted for a long time, and then when he said that nonsense, I like broke my don't engage with Connor McKenna rule. Uh, and then after that, I finally like blocked him because I don't want to. But just, like, um, I, sorry. I am super proud of everybody that I follow because I I don't see Connor McKenna shit like ever i don't have him blocked i don't have him muted but my followers are just straight up like he doesn't exist because i never see a shit like i never see anything from like like i never it's like it's never like oh somebody liked this tweet or somebody quoted this tweet. i don't see it like he is just he is dead yeah. in the world to me and everybody i follow which i, I fucking on- love i only see the only stuff i see from him is when um is when like someone in a group chat shares it just to just to, so we can all rag on him yeah and they have to make sure it's a screenshot because i'm blocked yeah Connor mckenna over a harrison wells gif maybe <laughs> i called him I a know. bitch baby too after he blocked me i was like motherfucker um it's also um if you want i will uh share the article on the on the pod account, um twitter account but there was an article that was released about the declining mental health of, of players this season, especially. And one of the big issues was a feeling of shame over contracting it and testing positive, despite their best efforts not to. Yeah. So then for Connor McKenna to come out and say it's embarrassing for other Habs fans to call this embarrassing for other for fans of other teams to take this as an opportunity to like troll and make fun and be like, oh yeah, of course Montreal would mess it up. Stop. Like these are this isn't this isn't like losing a game. All right. This is a person who's first of all, the fact that this is just a person with COVID should already be like uh forefront in your mind. Yeah, it should already be nothing but sympathy from you right? But this is a person who makes their career off of their body and their body being in top shape. And this is a virus that could very well ruin that career. Yeah. It already happened in Minnesota. I don't know if that kid came back. Marco Uh, Rossi. Yeah, Yeah, Marco Rossi. Uh, He had to leave and go back home. To Switzerland. To Switzerland. Um, Because of the, the lingering effects of COVID. Also, so stop and think for a second. This is not somebody from the Montreal area. This is not somebody from Canada. Yeah. This is, these are players from Finland. From Finland, a place where they, like, have to cross an entire fucking... I have made the flight from Germany to the United States. I flew from Germany to Chicago. Okay. We crossed over Canada and we still had, like, we literally flew over Montreal and then we still had, like, 
two hours left on our flight. Okay, this is a long way from home. Their entire support system, they are isolated from not only by having to quarantine now because they tested positive or were in close contact with somebody who tested positive for the virus, but also they are isolated from their support system geographically. Yeah. The entire Atlantic Ocean is between them. It's far away. If you have never lived in on another continent from the people that are integral to your like mental health and well-being, it's tough. And then contracting a virus that further isolates you on top of that? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> in a country, in a province, in a city that speaks two languages that are not neither yours. of them are your native language. Yeah. And you have only two other players on your team who can communicate with you in your native language and you can't even see them because you have to quarantine and the other one is in quarantine. Only one is left and he can't talk to either of you. I mean, like they can text or whatever and they can FaceTime if they want to, but they can't like have that uh, physical interaction, you know? And in a city like Montreal, where you are the biggest commodity. Yeah. Where everybody, you are what everybody talks about. Yep. In a city where you cannot escape the media coverage and you have a member of the media talking about you like this. There is no other sports team in Montreal that can take away from this. All they have is the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. I get that the Owls exist. But, dude, no way do they have the impact on the city that the Habs do. When you, talk ab- kind of dick. when you talk about this, handle it with respect. Because bottom line, bottom fucking line, those are other human beings. Yeah. Like them or not, like their contracts or not, remove them from the fucking sport. These are human beings right now that you are discussing as if they are a couch at Ikea. Yeah. If they were any other person, not an athlete, just a person, and they said to you, oh, I contracted COVID, would you say, oh, that's embarrassing? Oh, you messed up. Connor McKenna probably would. Yeah. (laughs) He would, actually. Yeah, we're calling him out by name. Fuck Connor McKenna. Not in the fun way yeah i hope he gets like a hot poker like shoved up his urethra (laughs) (laughs) like a red hot like metal barbecue skewer just up the urethra he's going in right now holy shit On that note, note, Ben Sherratt is still recovering from hand surgery. Yeah. However, um, Mark Bergevin said in his his fourth press conference yesterday uh, that, or did he say it today in his fifth press conference? I don't know. He's had so many press conferences. They're all melding together now. (laughs) It was the one in his house that everybody was like making fun of his 
chandelier and his feature wall. I thought it looked pretty nifty. I thought it was a nice house, okay? It looked very Scandi modern, okay? It looked like a super nice, like, open plan kitchen to living room. (laughs) Yeah, man's definitely shops at um, whatever the more expensive version of Ikea is. Yeah. (laughs) Man's has definitely been to a West Elm in his life. Oh, yeah. Um... He said that Sherrod is actually recovering really well from injury and is actually might come back earlier than expected, which, which is good is news. Nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. Um, uh, and also because of that, I would expect, unless there's like a huge deal for Ekholm, I wouldn't expect any trades to be made for defense. Yeah. yeah. Sherrod will be returning faster than expected. Ideally, you just want to m- find a way to stay in the playoff spot yeah and then Sherat comes back for playoffs yeah and he's gonna like be a beast and he's gonna murder people (laughs) especially now that the Habs have like a week extending um their regular season yes that too so he'll have a a bit of like a boot camp almost with the last few games of of the season now and he'll also be well rested yeah He'll be a lot more rested than the rest of the team. He'll be a lot more rested than Weber. So, Still doesn't mean I want him on that pairing. No, but you know they're <laughs> going to be put together, especially in the playoffs. I but. think it, it'll it'll also be interesting to see. Like we we should also consider there's the possibility that he comes back and he's still, you know, rusty. Like the rest may not mean a whole ton when it comes down to it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like hopefully he gets to play those last few games of the season, and that's yeah. kind of like a boot camp for him. I expect him to start um, skating sooner than he starts stick handling. Stick handling yeah. I would say the best scenario for Sherratt is that when he comes back, and hey, boys, do this for Sherratt, uh, hopefully the Habs have clinched it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're already in, so those last games against Toronto <laughs> Numerically don't, mean, don't count. Yeah. yeah, or at least maybe don't mean as much. Maybe it's a fight for a position, but – for seating yeah but yeah. like let's let's at least not make it as big as uh are we making the playoffs does mark bergman get fired or not yeah i would like to like very with authority be in the playoffs by the time Sherrod comes back yeah and we're gonna we're gonna start to come down to that like pretty soon because like what yeah. are, like what are we at now like we're at game 31 how many games are there in this season 56 yeah we're in the second we're... half of the season so okay. And it's gonna it's gonna start coming down to it really really soon. Like you're already starting to see it um, if you follow Money Puck's model. Like you are very quick quickly seeing the window close for teams like uh, Vancouver and Calgary. Yeah, uh, like not, Ottawa's out already. Yeah, Ottawa's already done. Well, I mean, Vancouver were they ever and in it? <laughs> Vancouver and Calgary have just been helping us stay in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> While the boys are, you know, recovering. They're so, eliminating themselves. It's just pretty great. It's really yeah. helpful. Like that one game where I think it was uh what was it, the Flames, I believe. They were like they were uh they had a power play, but they were just killing it for us instead. Yes. Because <laughs> they kept icing the puck on their own. That was incredible. That was, that so was much great. Fun. I was like, this is the this is the least like stressful penalty kill I've ever watched in my entire <laughs> life. Because the other team is doing it for us. They did all the work. Which was good because our team wasn't doing much. No. The other thing though is that Toffoli um, yes. will be sitting out the first game back 
um, for the Habs at least. At yeah. least the first game, he might sit, depending on where he's at after a couple more practices for a couple, but he will be back, which is um, sad news for D. <laughs> I think I think Lekkonen has played himself back in the lineup. I think you're more likely to see uh, Armia and Byron uh, be the odd people out at this point. Uh I hope Byron. I, I think I think I think Lekkonen's played himself back in the lineup, and I do not think Paul especially, Byron or Amia have done enough to. Yeah, it's kind of like what I was yelling well. about the entire time he was. Especially talking. if he plays well yeah. in the next game against the Suns, like he yeah. did last game. Yeah. He will have like re-earned his spot back on the on 100%. the regular lineup. I do believe. Um. Yes. Yeah, so I think I believe it was Bergevin in his fifth press conference said that Toffoli will not be returning for the next game back because they don't want to throw him into a game with just one practice. They want him to, like, have a few practices and be, like, closer to 100% before they send him back in. That's what I'm saying. Well, expect at least one game um, bank on the fact that he might sit a couple of games um, just to continue his recovery. We still don't know exactly, like what it was or what the severity of it was either however (laughs) to fully out the Habs believed in the impossible which is (laughs) they won a game (laughs) they did a shootout at home wearing the reverse retros that was fun you know it's so funny so much stuff has happened this week I actually forgot about that (laughs) (laughs) like that was gonna be the main talking point of this episode when the NHL decided, no, you're going to have all of this other drama to talk about. <laughs> they fucking did it. And they who broke. was our shootout fucking hero? Corey Perry. What? How was Corey oh. Perry the hero? He scored and a then beauty Besser of a goal. Yeah, but then Besser scored after it, so it was back to the drawing board. So how <laughs> the fuck was the hero? Tamash. Too much the tuna, ta-ta. Too much two goals. tuna. <laughs> two goals in the two game. Two goals. That is the tuna we know and love from last season. That's the it's, tuna we need. That's guess the who else had a goal in that game? Joel the Crop Top Edmondson. Yes. And you know who else had a goal in that game? Brendan, the future Captain Gallagher. <laughs> and you know who else had a goal in that game? Nick. The Mirror Master, Suzuki. Yes, I did just give Nick Suzuki a nickname that is also a villain in The Flash. But he scored the exact same goal! It was like a mirror image of the goal! It was a little carbon copy, and even the celly was the same. It was power play, hash marks, snipe over the goalie's shoulder in the exact same spot, in the exact same corner, with the exact same move and the exact same celly. It was like weird actually <laughs> same actually. team too sorry same team same yeah team. really Just... weird different goalie but <laughs> literal, literal same shit different day yeah <laughs> nick same shit different day suzuki nick same bat time same bat station suzuki like holy shit that was a fun game to watch. That game, you know what? It was actually. Like at first, uh, it was really frustrating. 
because like we got the goal and then we lost the lead and then we got the lead and then we lost it real bad. <laughs> uh, like a lot, actually. <laughs> like it, like twenty, like in twenty-two seconds, real lost it, and then we got it back, and then it went into overtime, and it was the most stressed out I had been since that like win against the Sens that broke our losing streak. <laughs> Uh, and then I went to the shootout and everyone had like written off the game at that point. And then Corey Perry and Mr. Tomas Tatar won it in the shootout at home wearing the reverse retros. Well, and I think as well, uh, it, it needs to be said. So consider this two goals were scored, scored by the Habs in the shootout. In uh, so, how many rounds was that? Five rounds? Yeah. Yeah, it was. That is a low-scoring five-rounder. Uh, so there's big thanks to the uh, big man at the back of the ice. Mr. Carey uh, Price. Mr. Carey Price. Mr. Saturday Night. He Mr. very definitely uh, clutched that game for us. 100%. He held on until somebody could get it done. And thank God. <laughs> thank no, God I mean, somebody did. Everybody, everybody left the call. Yep. Yeah, it was just the three of us left. And we weren't even <laughs> watching the shootout. We were just no. refreshing. Whoa, we were. That's true. We were, we were refreshing Eric Engels' account. Because he's literally at the game. We weren't watching it anymore. We were just refreshing, <laughs> reading tweets, like screaming at each other. Yeah, so uh, shout out Eric Engels uh, for uh, <laughs> keeping us calm. You know what's great? James actually left halfway through. <laughs> I did. I left the game. After the uh, after the Canucks two quick goals, and I said, I think I said I'll come back if we make a game of it. Yeah, and I think and then, I think I came back after Dallas. Then, goal, I think. And then Ella, our our Joe our Kim left, and yeah. then came back <laughs> immediately after we tied it. Ella, <laughs> our friend Jake, leaving and then immediately scoring. <laughs> That's the theme with our our Google Meet, I guess. Um, yeah. They Great did game. it. Great Finally. game. Great game. And but also like it shows um Carrie Price like won that game yep. in the shootout, but he ended it with a terrible save percentage. But that goes to show how like skewed save percentages can be sometimes. It is it is the worst stat. Like plus it's like the like he said, it's like, like the plus I always minus. say, it's the plus yep. minus of goalies because yeah. there needs to be so much more context. In you could you read that you could think about it this way, right? You could think that like, oh, Carrie let in four goals on 18 shots, right? You could also spin it that the Habs kept the Canucks at 18 shots, and then the four yeah, exactly. goals that he let in were just great shots, screened, weird bounces. Yeah, it was a lot of weird like the goals that the Canucks I'd say maybe kind of one. Bad. I'd say maybe one was a bad goal to let in. Yeah. Um, but the other ones like. Uh, would be kind of fair on any goalie, yeah. de- depending on who is on net, right? So it like you could say I don't think he played terribly. Um, he play played, he, but he was uh, like even, but even if you were upset with his performance in regulation, he was lights out in overtime. Yeah, that save was incredible. Yeah. He's saved overtime. the game, dude. And in the shootout. Incredible. And you know what? Props to Holtby, too. Yeah, he had a good game. He had a great game. He faced, like, what? Like, 30 shots? 
30 million shot attempts. Yeah. Look at the shot attempts were like like 70. 70? Yeah. 70 shot attempts. Oh, yeah. The thing about the Habs, which is so funny, is that they make goalies look really good because they have a like high volume shot attempts, but they're just really low quality. (laughs) We are, we are Carolina from a couple of years ago. Carolina, there was one year where they had like, they like they're 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 sh- like it was like every game it was like they had like over 40 shot attempts so it's like every goalie against them looked like friggin insane yeah so they like, just, like they... lop on 40 shots and score three goals it's funny because the game ended carrie had like a eight i don't know exactly i'm just gonna like pull numbers out but it's gonna be kind of what it looked like right carrie had like an eight point six two i would say maybe say percentage would you say? Sure. Holt B had like a 9.35, I would say, something around there, right? But the Canucks lost. Yeah. Four to five. <laughs> so that's the, and it's literally because of the amount of shots that they faced, right? Holt yeah. B faced a lot of shots, Carrie faced a little bit of shots, but uh, it still ended in the shootout. So that's when, like, you can't just look at save percentage. And like determine how good they played that game, <laughs> right? You need con. Yeah. You need the context. You need the context of the game. Now, if it's like Carter Hart with his seven point seven seven save, you know, his point seven 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 save percentage in the nine nothing shutout loss to the Rangers, then you could be like, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you had a real bad game there, buddy. Right? But there's a bit more context needed for something like the game, the winning game against uh, Vancouver. Because if you look at just their save percentages, you'd be like, yeah, Holpe played lights out. Holpe deserved to win. Uh, Holpe was the better goalie. And it's like, you could say that. But the team did so just better. did a better job at suppressing shots on the Canucks end. Yep. Right? Yep. So you need context when you look at stuff like that. And we won the game. So that's all that matters in the end. <laughs> the only points that matter are the two points that yep. go into the standings. Yes. Gary Price, we love you. And Tamash Tatar, thank you. Welcome back, buddy. <laughs> um, I want to move on to um, the one consistently beautiful thing in this organization, the Laval Rocket. Yes. I have so much to say about the, the Laval Rocket. Um, first of all, Caden Primo. First shutout this season in the entire organization. Oh, my God. That's pretty rough. It was a one-nothing game. <laughs> That's even more rough. Joel Teasdale um, scored the one goal in that game. Our friend Emmanuel said, like, Caden uh, Primo got his shutout in Carey Price fashion with no goal support. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was lit- I was at work and I was like, "Oh, the game's still going." And it was like one minute left, and instead of trying to like watch the rest of that one minute, I was just like watching the box score and like watching it count down. <laughs> and I was like, 60 seconds to glory, Caden! Sixty seconds to glory! You can do it! <laughs> you can hold on! Twenty seconds, Caden! <laughs> Do this for the franchise, kid. Do it for the memes. And yes. yeah, the first uh, shutout 
in the org- the entire organization this season came from Caden Primo. In Laval. In Laval. How many how many games into both seasons? Like how many games has the organization played combined? I think over fifty. Over thirty, point. yeah. So many. We're halfway I, through. I will, however, say that the Laval Rocket are first in the Canadian division. Hell yeah. They are first. They took on the Manitoba Moose um, Thursday and Friday. They that's that one got split. Um, the Moose won in overtime on Thursday. The Rocket, however, won in a very decisive fashion yesterday. Um, and let's see where they are in the league now. Last I checked, they were fourth in the league, and they are still fourth in the league now. So the Rocket, the Rocket are fourth in um, the entire AHL, first in the Canadian division. They have 28 points. The second place team in the division is the Heat with 17 points. <laughs> so they've been killing it. I'm so mad there's no playoffs. Yeah, there's no playoff format that has been um, announced. There's also no conferences this season because there are like five divisions one of those divisions only has like three teams in it oh that must suck oh yeah. i hate being in that division yeah, you only play two teams for an entire season i the, would oh my god i can imagine that like they're just literally beating each other up yeah like games is um, like 90 90 minute penalty <laughs> i feel like that's the whole season in that division Literally, the the Providence Bruins have 23 points. Um, then the the Wolfpack, the Hartford Wolfpack, have nine points. Like, imagine just getting beaten up by the baby bees all season. The Sound Tigers also have they have six points. That's sad. 23, 9, and 6. Like, that's not even fun for the Providence. No, they just, that's playing, like, NHL mode, like, franchise mode, but you sim all the NHL games, and yeah. you only play the AHL games because you on rookie. not the Calder for some reason on rookie. Like, that's sad. <laughs> that is that. ridiculous. 23 points, and then the team underneath you, and there's only three teams in your division. <laughs> 23 points, and the second-place team in the division has nine. That's Yeah, that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) The AHL is an interesting beast. Um, It truly is. Especially this season, man. Um, Though They would have such a a cup run. The Henderson Silver Knights, um, this is their first year in the league. They are dominating. That is the Vegas affiliate team, right? Correct. They yeah. also have 28 points, but they are 14-3-0. Yeah, because they had like a million like first and second round picks. They got, they got a well, bunch of quality then, prospects on that team. And they've only played 17 games. So the Rocket in 19 games are 13-4-1-1. One, one. Wow. So, I mean, but still, to only lose six games 
total yeah season. that's wild Laval yeah. is constantly impressive to me they um keep my soul happy when the habs are do I like the Laval Rocket more than I like the Montreal Canadiens? <laughs> it's a I, pursuing question. My column. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, also, Yese Ullinen loves me a lot. Yeah. And so does Otto Leskinen. My little Finnish boys love me to death. They keep scoring me goals and getting me assists. So. And Kale Fleury. Is murdering people. Yep. And it's great. Beast. He's but beast. I love him. I, I can't t- wait. I can't wait till he comes back. I, I want to talk more about Michael McNiven, though. Um, Go for it. His performance this season has really solidified why I've been shouting that he needs to just stay in the NHL. My biggest hope for the season is with Lindgren having been on the taxi squad and then when Lindgren was playing with Laval just not really having very good games is that the organization as a whole takes a look at that and says hey guess who we do not need anymore Charlie Lindgren he is the odd man out at this point um because even Vasily Demchenko he's only played like a couple of games and uh, he's even been like more reliable than um, that Lindgren. Uh, Breaking news: Buffalo is losing again. <laughs> and you know, I thought they might actually would have won this game. It was two nothing going into the third period. <laughs> it was Boston, two one going into the third sorry, period. It was two one going into the third period, and then Boston scored, and oh they just God. scored. <laughs> Left. And oh now it's 3 2 Boston with only three minutes left in the game. 17! League record is 18, wow. right? Yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins with an 18 game losing streak. I say they do it. I think this would be their 16th, actually. Nope, 17. I counted it on the calendar. Holy crap. They definitely will do it. Holy crap. <laughs> I literally went to the NHL app. Went to the Buffalo Sabres, hit their schedule, and counted them by hand. They suck so bad. Dude, that's amazing. Um, other other AHL news. Um, Yannick Veilleux was suspended four games for kneeing Martin Pospisil. Um, Pospisil appeared to be injured on the ice. He was injured. He could not get up, and he had to be helped off the ice. Um, and I just want to say that um, maybe it's time to cut Veya loose. I know he scored some like clutch goals and everything, but after the two-game suspension for an obscene gesture and this four-game suspension on a hit that absolutely did not need to be made, Veya needs to sit like yeah. a lot. Like, he needs to get real comfortable with the Bell Center's uh, press box. <laughs> press box. Um, he needs to find whatever seat Arturi Lakadin was sitting in and rebrand it as his own. <laughs> because there's absolutely no uh, reason for that hit. There's no reason to stick the knee out on Pospisil, who was already injured. <laughs> the man was 
like in his last game before he was gonna be like done for the season to go get like surgery on his arm or some shit. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. And now to possibly have like a torn like ACL or something as well. Nah, dude. Also, however, though, in lighter news, uh, Joel Bouchard promised the boys that if they performed well in Calgary, um, that they could dress like cowboys for the rest of the road trip. <laughs> and they did. They went to the Stampede ground and they dressed like cowboys and they took a team photo. And if you have not seen it, do yourself a favor and go oh. find that team photo. That is incredible. That I can only job. identify like three people in the picture. It's like I I knew who um like Leskinen based on his hair and his like like cheekbones, Pezzetta solely based on his hair, and then Bouchard solely based on his hair because he wasn't wearing a hat. <laughs> like <laughs> unrecognizable bunch it's, of cowboys you could have slid carrie price in that picture ah, i'm gonna do that later you could slide carrie price into that picture and you would not pick him out of the lineup it's because they were wearing masks and hats and it's so funny to me and one of the players was wearing like a novelty like foam big like red cowboy hat and then um, one of the assistant coaches was wearing uh, – one of the players as well was wearing, like, um, a shirt that was a cow – not a cow print, a literal picture of a cow of its face on the shirt. And that's how they dressed like cowboys at the stampede ground. Wow. I was living Just for wow. it. I was living for it. So <laughs> – anyway, Laval Rocket, not disappointing. Not even a little bit disappointing. Great uh, season. Yeah, literally. When the Habs were like in their five-game skid, six-game skid, whatever, when they were in their skid, uh, the Rocket were there murdering other play, other teams. <laughs> so. Yeah. So in lieu of a... Yes. We're going to have an extended discussion time. Discussion topic. Yes. So... Uh, Emily and James. Mm-hmm. Yes, Steve. If you were a metahuman, what would your power be? Do you want to go first, James? Yeah, James, you want to go first? I can go first. Um, I would have uh, the ability to uh, remove things from people's memories. Uh, Ooh, like a memory what, doctor. Yeah. God damn it, I'm Cisco. Um, and I would entirely just use it to uh help everybody to forget about um tragedies uh, especially Ooh. south of the border um specifically i'm talking of course about uh oh shit what's their name who's that team uh buffalo sabers no 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 worse than buffalo worse than buffalo um is it team worse than Buffalo? The oh, Minnesota. Lions? Minnesota. Oh, the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. Everybody should forget about the Minnesota Wild. Um, but James just did. <laughs> James powers are already too strong. I, I'm too strong for my own good. Uh, that would be my power. I, I'd, I'd make people forget things. Like memory doctor. Yes, memory doctor. 
I like it. I, I'm in charge of naming the metas around here. <laughs> <laughs> Emily. Yes. Other than us having exactly the same niche superpower, what would your secondary meta? <laughs> okay, I just want to say, we were discussing this like offline, just because Em and I have a habit of saying the exact same thing. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't say the exact same thing. So other than you know that. energy manipulation <laughs> other than exactly my superpower <laughs> what would your secondary metahuman power be if you, uh, your first one was taken i would have pyrokinesis pyrokinesis yeah so call me zuko call me azula fire nation attacked that's me fire powers baby Hey, baby. <laughs> nice. And D, what would, what would your secondary power be? <laughs> I would be um, a breacher. I'd vibe. I'd be vibe. I'd be Cisco Ramon. Nice. Um, <laughs> should elaborate on like what exactly his power is. Yeah, he um, can open, well, when the multiverse exists, he can open breaches to other uh, universes within the multiverse. He can also breach in like interuniversally, so like within the same universe. And also he can vibe harmonic resonances from um, the past. He's also vibed the future before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can vibe like present moments. He just uses harmonic frequencies to um, to find like the resonance and uh, see what's going on. And I would I would vibe. He's he's considered actually one of the most powerful mm-hmm. uh, characters in like the whole DC pantheon because of just like the scope of his like what he can do with his ability is just so massive. Yeah, he can also harness that um, like the the harmonic resonance to shoot vibes at people. Yeah, he can weaponize it. He could probably like tear someone apart if he wanted to. He just like messing you... with their frequency. I bet you if he, like, um, really trained his powers, he could probably um, get in there and really fuck with somebody's head. Like, mm-hmm. a la, like, Scarecrow. Like, just yeah, probably. really fuck with somebody's head, make them hallucinate and shit. Yeah, hey. probably. You proud of me that I know a fucking Batman <laughs> villain? I am proud of you. It's because Killian Murphy played him. <laughs> of course. <laughs> And he looked gorgeous doing it. Yes, that, he did. Even with a burlap sack on his head. Yeah. <laughs> They've removed it and his beautiful face is there. But yeah, that would be that would be my uh, secondary <laughs> super. <laughs> so in real life, I guess M and I are like super OP firestorm, but like whatever the Energy Storm. I don't know. Yeah. Energy wave. How about we just let me name the superheroes? Fine. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'll take on my Cisco Ramon duties. All right. Uh, <laughs> James and Emily. D. Uh, what's the difference between a Greyhound Depot and a crab with D cups? What? what is One that? is a crusty bus station and the other is a busty crustacean. <laughs> 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 that one always gets me. <laughs> Just imagining like a crab with teacups. <laughs> and it's like frilly, like pink. <laughs> uh, 
That was the one that I was going to do last week, and then M did a shellfish joke. Busty crustacean. <laughs> busty crustacean. That's like the imagery of it. That's just funny. Oh, man. Hey, um, I ordered uh, a chicken and an egg uh, on Amazon recently. Oh, oh yeah. which one will come first? I don't know. <laughs> You're going to make me get into my dinosaur theory again. (laughs) (laughs) Call me Tommy Oliver. I've got a dinosaur theory. (laughs) Do you want to hear it? Sure. Okay, so my theory is that the egg came first because dinosaurs and chickens evolved from dinosaurs. And at some point in the evolution, it happened embryonically. So inside the egg developed the chicken, ergo the egg had to come first. That is strong. That's a strong theory. And I will take it as fact because I haven't heard a better one. (laughs) There you go. You're welcome, paleontologists. I'll just say yes. Yes. Hey guys, um, I spent a lot of time and money and effort childproofing my house. Oh, the, yeah. kid, the kids still get in. <laughs> Help me. Quality content. Has, oh now, now has triple. That was, that was a that was like a proper dad joke. Like that was like that was like that was a groaner. Like that was like a, that's like that's begrudgingly like oh god, it's so not funny, but like fuck. Yeah, but it is. That, <laughs> uh, that joke just put on its white New Balances and asked yeah. me to help it mow the lawn. Oh my god. Uh, for the for the barbecue at five. Yeah. <laughs> That joke just picked me up for, with my bicycle and told me it's gonna be okay, bud. <laughs> that joke just came up to me and said, "Hey, you want to learn how to use a hammer?" <laughs> <laughs> that joke just came up to me and threw a football in my face. <laughs> that, uh, joke that joke. That joke came up to me and said, "Hey, hungry? I'm dead." <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, what are some things you guys are looking forward to? Uh, I'm looking forward to a game. I'm looking forward to a game. <laughs> I just honestly, just give me a game. Give I want my boys. I play. want my boys. I miss them so much. I'm looking forward to um, getting to know Oliver Queen better. Oh. <laughs> because M is still in season fucking four. Yeah, I'm still watching. Flash. I actually start watching Arrested Development now. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm watching actually. (laughs) I've moved on. I'm where the Arrowverse all began. I'm in Arrow now. I'm like almost all the way through. Um, I'm almost through season one of Arrow. I stopped watching Flash after season six. Um, because there's only like three episodes available of season seven, so I want to wait until there's a little bit more. I also don't want to deal with um whatever impending thing is happening. 
with the title that is all's wells that or all's well that ends wells. I don't like that. Harry's in danger. It doesn't bode wells. Shut up. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's another zinger by Emily. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. anyway. Well, yeah. But also hockey, yes. Mm-hmm. Hockey, yeah. I'd like to yeah, watch a game. Hockey. Um, I'd like, like to see if Buffalo finally wins a game. Uh, honestly, I want them to lose the rest of the way. Just go for it. You're already started. Do it. Like, just do it. Set a new record and just blow it out of the water. Uh, yeah, I say set an unbeatable record. How unbeatable. often does an unbeatable NHL record get set anymore? Like, if Ovechkin passes Gretzky in the goal scoring department, it's going to be by like Un- 10, 20 goals, maybe at max. Uh, I want this losing yeah. streak to be the Gretzky of records. <laughs> yeah, like unbeatable. Fuck I'm- it. They need to lose the rest of the season That's and then come saying. in and lose 82 games next season. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Don't chaos. win for another three years. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Buffalo fans. You got some suffering in coming. Uh, anyway. Well, James. Get fucks indeed. Emily. Gotta play a full 60 minutes. And it's always a great day to punch a Nazi. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.